0: Mike Stibbs here with The Campermon Podcast. Thank you very much for clicking on this video. On this week's episode, Chris interviewed our very good friend Jason Pillow from Archangel ministries 91com which is an organization that fights human trafficking and helps SRA victims. So please do not forget to like this video and leave a comment. Keep the conversation going. If you are new to Camp Hermon, thank you very much for clicking on this video and I really hope that we earn your sub. Thank you. Roll the intro.
1: Legit scientists right now are positing that we live in a simulation. I feel like a lot of stuff is going on in the world that's brought up a lot of these conversations even in our last couple of episodes just with UAP disclosure and, you know, the Nephilim agenda that we always come back to.
0: The world largely rejects their message and treats them as hostile extraterrestrials who must be stopped at any cost. All right Jason man I appreciate you joining me uh so for anybody that hasn't listened to some of the previous episodes where we've had Jason Pillow on the show so Jason is Jason's a lot of things Jason is a he's a satanic ritual abuse survivor um he's going to kind of tell his story of of coming out of that world and what's led him to doing what him and his wife Janice are doing now um so they have a ministry called Archangel Ministries 91. and if you want to check it out, you can go to Archangelministries 91.com. So Jason's one of the, uh, Jason and Janice are, are you know founding members of that ministry. and uh, what they do is uh, they work to help get people out of human traffic human trafficking So kind of everything that's involved with that. Um, but Jason man, thanks for joining me. I had asked you, I think it was last week, I was preparing for a show um, that Mike, Tori, and I were were, were going to do. And I asked you a question that kind of led to us having this conversation today about like witchcraft. And we're going to talk a little bit about like the aspects of that and how it's tied how they're tied to human trafficking. And then we're going to kind of get in the weeds there. Before we do that, brother, would you just kind of introduce yourself to anybody that maybe is not familiar with you and give us your your backstory, your origin story, if you will.
1: Oh, Lord, that's a lot to unpack. Um, <clears throat> my name is Jason Pillow. Uh, I am a SRA survivor. Uh, where to begin? Well, first off, let me begin by saying anything that I say, I only speak on things that I can prove. Things that I know are a fact. Uh, Before I ever started reaching out or giving my testimony or teaching on spiritual warfare or anything, I actually uh, told God and wanted to make a commitment to Him and ask for His help so that I would never mislead or lie to His people. Uh, And I take that very, very seriously. So anything that I say on here, it's stuff that I have evidence for and have been able to prove uh, certain events and things that have taken place and have happened. Uh, I was, from the best I can gather, speaking with my mother and the brief amount of relationship I've had with my biological father and everything, uh, and all the research I've done, uh, I was conceived via a ritual that directly involved a fallen angel. Uh, A lot of people wonder what that means exactly and whether or not technically that'd be counted as Nephilim or anything like that. Uh, It's kind of a windfall type question, to be honest. Uh, Depends on one's viewpoint, one's understanding, that kind of stuff. Now, I am genetically speaking human-ish, but there are certain things with my DNA, certain trademarks that are not human, so to speak. Uh, so I guess the way that that could be answered is I am human, though my DNA would be considered tainted. Uh, if you want to go with the simplistic definition of it. Uh, but originally, you know, God stepped in even during my birth and everything. Originally, I was due to be born on... June 18th, 85, which if you understand numerically speaking, that would be 666613, according to Luciferian doctrine, numerology, and things of that nature. Uh, But God intervened and delayed my birth until the 22nd, uh, so even though I was born and ritualistically conceived and everything, he made it a point to have his hand on my life from day one, uh, which I'm very grateful for. But nonetheless, that did not stop them from doing what they had planned to do to begin with. Uh, My training and ritualized programming pretty much began from day one. Uh, By two years old, I was showing uh, traits and abilities in combat. Uh, Even to the extent my mom told me when I was two, uh, they did my birthday party and they got me one of those guns that, shot like those little discs, right? And uh, she said, I was sitting there in my high chair and I took the gun and shot and hit uh, four balloons, one shot each uh, at the age of two. No formal training, no nothing. Of course, how do you train a two-year-old how to operate a firearm? Uh, My mother was so traumatized and whatnot that she had a lot of those memories from what she'd been put through blocked off and she told me initially she thought that I was going to be some kind of a prodigy or something along those lines. Uh, unfortunately, she had buried what had happened so deep that uh, even till this day, she gets night terrors and stuff like that. And I'm trying to help her through her healing process now as well. Uh, but I was ritualized and abused, tortured, raped, programmed beaten within an inch of my life, buried alive. Uh, It's rather extensive, uh, the different types of rituals and stuff I was put through. Uh, And the reason why my mother was selected and I was selected is bloodlines. Uh, If you go into my father's bloodline, the pillow side, uh, and if you go into my grandfather's bloodline, uh, then you will find that our ancestors, we have fought... In every single major war throughout history and even predating history and both bloodlines uh, have been heavily involved with uh, knighthoods and royalty and stuff like that. Uh, as a matter of fact, on the Pillow side, uh, one of my direct descendants was General Pillow that fought in the Civil War, uh, who after the Civil War actually helped Albert Pike reconstruct the Masonic Order. Uh, my grandfather's side, we, you know, one of my ancestors was at Salem during the Salem Witch Trials, uh, fought in the Revolutionary War, Civil War, uh, World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, Korea, uh, Crusades, and as a matter of fact, Sanford Hall over in the UK is actually named after that side of my family. Uh, and one of my ancestors was even the Archbishop of Canterbury. Uh, so anyone that knows anything about the Luciferians, when they do things, they know that bloodlines and descendancies are very important, uh, especially when there's witchcraft and generational demons and stuff like that involved that predate history. Uh, so even after my mother left my father, uh, I was still continuing to be programmed and ritualized, uh there's a lot of supernatural aspects that go into how it was done that I won't really go into here simply because we could probably spend three or four hours just on that. Uh, Right. But the main bulk of my programming uh, was in combatives for assassination purposes, uh, which is what I was used for. I was used for dealing with, humans and other entities that weren't aligning properly with the covenant and doing what they are told to do now there's a lot of people that have come forward other survivors that have very clear and vivid memories of me either fighting alongside them or doing operations with them but it's one of those things that until i heal parts that hold those memories and I regain them myself and I can track it down and prove it. I don't put a lot of stock in it. Uh, not because I distrust or don't believe the people that have told me these things, uh, because a lot of them are very trustworthy, especially as far along as in healing as some of them are. Uh, but I try to uphold the promise I made to God and I don't really speak on things unless I know for a fact it's happened. Uh, During my late teens at a particular ritual, uh, which Chris, you know the story, I I shared it with you guys once. Uh, I won't give the whole story here. Uh, I don't want to trigger any survivors or something to make them across the episode. Uh, So I will give a brief version of it. Uh, Basically, it was a black mass ritual There was a family being tortured, the father was killed, the mother was murdered, Uh, the infant that she was pregnant with was murdered and cannibalized, and their youngest daughter was being ritualized to the point of beginning her programming. Uh, I don't know what happened to her till this day. I'm praying that she got out or God sent someone to rescue her, but I don't know. But in the midst of that, my alternate personality that was in control, Gabriel, uh, saw what was being done to her and took issue with it and flew into a rage. And uh, let's just say he removed a very evil person. Uh, And this was... Even though, according to the laws and statutes, since this was a joint ritual between uh, my coven and the Brotherhood, technically they should have killed me. For some reason, the head of our Coven did not do that. He had me taken out and uh, via you know like stun guns and stuff like that, and was intent on reprogramming me uh however when i came through being tortured and beaten and everything else gabriel took over again uh dispatched a couple of the guards and managed to escape uh and after that the order to kill me had been sent out in may of 2005 they attempted to kill me uh Almost succeeded in their initial attack. Uh, when I was being uh, life flighted from the hospital to Vander to uh, Vanderbilt Hospital in Nashville, I flatlined, and the generational demon that was in possession of me drug me to hell. I was there for, in our standard of time, about four days. In hell, it feels four days feels like an eternity. I was in the part of hell that is dedicated to practitioners of the occult, idolaters, witchcraft practitioners, things of that nature. And I was torn apart, ripped apart, thrown against walls, beaten uh, by the demons that I had once had at least a monicum of control over. Uh, And just for my body to be restored and for them to go at it again Uh, until the final day where Christ actually came down to hell himself and brought me out. And I, it's one of those things you can't really, unless he gives you permission to, right? You can't speak. You, You can't move. I mean, you're prostrate before him just because who he is. Uh, but he allowed me to ask one question. The question I asked was why, and he told me that he had a purpose for me. And that's saying, I know I am awake back in the hospital, uh, only to find out that the doctors at Vanderbilt, uh, belonged to the coven and had tried to kill me there. But Gabriel had prevented that from happening. Uh, even to this day they have completely buried any of the files and documents that I even existed and that I was ever even there. Uh, the only wow. documents that can prove that I was there at all to this day is the bill for how much that helicopter ride cost. Other than that, everything has been completely removed from existence.
0: Wow. Yeah, man, we we could spend um, this whole time just talking about that experience, um, and and maybe w- one day down the road we will do just kind of a whole episode on on your your near death experience and your time your time in hell and and whatnot. Um, but yeah, man, uh, when we were sitting, we're I remember when you told that story, we're sitting in in my living room here in Columbia, Tennessee. Uh, we had a group of people over and you were just sharing your testimony. And when you described what it was like when I think you mentioned when when he came into the room and it just it just filled with light. Um, and then he he pulled you out of hell, um, man, that was that's just super powerful and just super moving. It just makes me think of just I mean, just how much the Lord loves us that he rescues each and every one of us, you know?
1: And when you're in front of him, that's what you feel. You feel that overwhelming amount of love, but mixed in with it, you also have the understanding that he is your judge. Mm -hmm. Because when I was before him, I felt the love and all he did was smile at me. But I also knew that, there was literally no reason uh, I could think of why he would have got me out because I deserved where I was. And I knew that. And I knew that he had every right to judge me and just leave me in there. But he didn't.
0: Wow. Yeah, man, that's incredible. Um, So you... You essentially escape from the Covens. They try to kill you. Um, you end up uh in uh in in Nashville, you're in a coma, you're you your your spirit's in hell, the Lord rescues you. And then from then on it seems like you've, you've dedicated your life to serving the Lord. You've been on this journey of, of healing because you've essentially for the lack of a better term, I know this is not accurate, but a lot of people will kind of understand this. Um, You have kind of alters or like alternate personalities or split personalities um, for the lack of a better term. And you've been on this journey of, of healing and, um, essentially actively fighting against the covens and what they're doing and anybody that's involved in, in human trafficking. Um, So with your background uh, with the covens and then, you know, the the, the memories that you've recovered and stuff, I know you've done a ton of research also since then. I I really want to talk about witchcraft. Um, So what I'd like you to do, if you don't mind is, is explain to us, what What is witchcraft, um, and, and how is it used?
1: Well, there's varying definitions, right? Uh, the biblical definition of witchcraft is basically the sin of rebellion. It's whatever you do that's in rebellion against God, or something you do to manipulate or control other people. Uh, that is a basic biblical definition of witchcraft. Uh, However, if you get into the esoteric, you get into the occult, then the definition of witchcraft alters, it varies ever so slightly. I mean, at its core, it's still absolute rebellion against God. There is no such thing as white magic. It's non-existent. Uh, Magic is magic, and it's all based off contracts and getting demons to do your bidding. Whether that demon presents itself in its true form to you or comes to you as little niece Annie that passed away three weeks ago. It is still the same entity, and a contract has to be struck to get a spirit or entity to do your bidding in order to uh, achieve your desired outcome. Uh, now, there are varying degrees of witchcraft, things that are done for personal gain, personal power, you know, there's rituals that are in stupid spells that are done for love, or uh, you know, varying different degrees but it all has the same root and that root root is tainted and bitter uh the word occult itself means hidden knowledge you know knowledge that is not available to the masses although at this point a lot of it kind of is uh but yeah hopefully that's kind of a somewhat satisfactory definition of it uh i said so rather than trying to define witchcraft based on the esoteric or the occult, uh, we should simply look to define it as occult practices. Uh, Leave witchcraft as a biblical definition and then go into ritual magic and stuff because that has a separate definition. Uh, I don't want to add to or take away from God's word, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so yeah, so explain um, explain ritual magic.
1: Ritual magic, there's different elements, different components to it. It, uh, like I said, is all based on what the desired outcome is. Uh, There's demonic summoning, there's curses, hexes, incantations, uh, contracts. Uh, It's a wide varying degree and the type of What goes into a specific type of ritual depends on what the desired outcome is. Uh, For instance, uh, let's say territorial control would be a prime example, right? For territorial control, uh, the entire purpose of the ritual is to draw in as many demons to a location as possible. Uh, every now and then, you will see them doing that based on summoning an initial principality and then drawing in the rest of the demons in the process. Uh, in order to do this, it requires pain. What? Torture. Uh, because, and fear. Massive amounts of fear. Demons are drawn to these things because they revel in the pain and suffering of humanity. Because they despise us because we are made in God's image. And they can't hurt God, but they can hurt us. And that's the only way they can effectually do anything to God or cause him any sort of grief or harm. I mean, you got to think about it. He created the the angels. They rebelled. If he created you, could he not just, you're done? (laughs) So i mean it's not like they're gonna do a full frontal assault (laughs) not and be victorious in it you know what i mean uh yeah yeah. uh so the basic component of you know summoning those demons to extend them out over an area it's called territorial manipulation or territorial gain Uh, basically it can involve human or animal sacrifice or ritual torture uh and the entire purpose of it is to draw in as many demons as possible and at the end of the ritual the demons are released into the surrounding area uh to go and influence who they will and do what they will and you see a lot of this in major cities uh that's the reason why places like california it's a satanic high ground new york luciferian high ground uh and the demons are so active there that's the reason why you have such a high crime rate and you know violent crimes, especially rape, murder, mass shootings, uh gang shootings, you know, all of that stuff is interlinked and is all the driving result of the spiritual influence, the demonic that was summoned and released over the territory.
0: Let me ask you something. So the demons are do they have to respond to These rituals, or do they just choose to respond?
1: Uh, Well, that depends on the ritual itself. Uh, In certain rituals, if you are trying to summon a specific demon that you're wanting to have placed over an area as a principality or a ruler over that area, then you would alter that ritual a slight bit uh, in the means of producing it because you're trying to draw in that one specific demon on top of drawing it as many other lesser demons as possible because the main protagonist there or antagonist, I should say, uh, is one that is going to be placed as ruler or principality over that area. Uh, so it would be to get that one. There would be very specific. Uh, I think in, uh, what I sent you, I tried to elaborate a little bit, uh, using some pop culture references, trying to get people to understand, uh, like uh, the whole movie Stargate, uh, when they uncovered the contraption and everything else, they looked at the symbols, they didn't know what they were for, but eventually they figured out that each symbol represents a specific point in time and space. And when they are ran to a specific area, it basically opens up a portal to a specific spot. Uh, it's the same thing with demonic summoning. You know, if you're summoning a specific type of entity, whether it's one of the 72 generals of hell you find in the Galatia or a specific fallen entity uh, such as Hecate or Dionysus, Diana, uh, or Prunos or any uh, of like Asheroth, something like that, someone specific you're trying to draw in, then there are very specific markers the ritual has to adhere to in order to summon that specific entity. Uh, Apart from that, the ritual, the entire purpose in child or human sacrifice, animal sacrifice, is basically sending out a flare, a beacon that is going to draw in any and all demons from a vast area that are basically just looking to thrive on something's pain and torture
0: okay so so basically it's not necessarily that they have to respond but they're gonna want to respond because they're getting they're getting something out of out of what's happening Uh, yeah the pleasure or
1: yeah it's like a moth being drawn to flame you know they can't resist it uh you're talking in the case of demons you're talking about the disembodied spirits of the giants right And what we find in scripture and what we find in extra-biblical contexts, like Enoch and stuff like that, these creatures, the giants, they were so vile, so evil, so corrupt, that God sent a flood to wipe them out just to give humanity a chance without their corruption and being tainted by them. Uh, Cannibalism, grotesque acts of a sexual nature... Uh, violence, murder, you know, rage, I mean, these brute beasts are the evil of evil, you know, uh so, and this is a reason for demonic possession because they don't have a body. They can't experience lust, they can't experience murder or anything else like that nature. So they have to find someone they can inhabit so they can live out what they want to do vicariously through that vessel.
0: Right, right. No, that makes sense. Uh, another question I have is when you talk about, like, you mentioned having some control over demons. Now, is it actual control or is that just perceived control that they allow you to think that you have control over them because they want you to draw, they want to draw you in um, to essentially uh, for the lack of a better term, like communing with them, so to speak.
1: It's a perceived. Control. You never actually have control. That is a fallacy. Uh, a blatant, bold faced lie. If we're being perfectly honest. Uh, How can a human that is not saved, does not operate in the authority and power of Christ, ever hope to have control over an entity like that? I mean, I hate to break it to people, but they are superior to you in almost every single way. They're stronger, they're faster, they're vastly more intelligent. Uh, So unless you have Christ, you don't have control over they have control over you but it's an extensive mind game right uh and it's all based on in the end what they desire you know how much use do they have for you how much can they how much mileage can they get out of the individual to accomplish whatever task or assignment their higher ups you know loose for the principality they're under uh can they accomplish through you uh, before you're spent or used up and nothing more than a husk that's left. I mean, it's uh, you see it in politics all the time. Look at uh, Barack Obama be a prime example. How youthful, young, energetic and stuff he looked when he went into the White House versus how he looked when he left the, the White House. In an eight year period, he aged by about 40 years. That's not because of the stress or anything of the job, that's because he was so busy behind the scenes working with the demonic and the covens to accomplish a certain goal that it literally drained the life out of demons are parasites, uh, that have a mindset of a very corrupt and twisted spiritual lawyer.
0: Wow. Man, this is a, this is a fascinating subject. Um, and I know there's, there's a lot of different kind of directions that we can go with this. Ultimately I'd like to end with how we as believers can best, uh, essentially combat, um, witchcraft in, in our own lives. Um, and in, in the lives of, you know, friends, family, loved ones, people that we know, um, So essentially, I guess we're talking about spiritual warfare there. Before we get into that, is there anything that you want people to know about witchcraft specifically?
1: The only thing that I would really say involving witchcraft is not to buy into. You know, in the movies, Hollywood, TV music industry, video games, all that stuff, they promote it and try and spin it like it's this great, wonderful thing that gives you all these powers and abilities and everything else. But what they never feature in that is the underlying cost that you endure because of it. Not only are you actively rebelling against God and being involved in idol worship and paganism, and rebellion, but you're also submitting yourselves to entities that want nothing but your death, pain, torture, and destruction, not just on this earth, but for all of eternity. Uh, The rewards do not outweigh the cost of it, because no matter what you gain, riches, wealth, supernatural abilities, uh it always comes at a price and that price is your life your eternal salvation and the blood of the innocent
0: yeah i mean based based on what what i've read seen heard and then what you've talked about today it's all like like everything having to do with the kingdom of darkness and the enemy, it's all just a deception. It's all lies. And like you said, it, it comes with a price. And I've I mean, I've heard stories of people who they get into uh witchcraft and and it's just I don't know, I don't want to say light and fun, but they think like it's just going to be positive and it's going to benefit their life. So they get into um they get into it And then eventually they're essentially being like plagued by spirits, you know, in their homes, stuff starts happening and the fun is gone. And now they're just being tormented um, by, you know, these demons, by these, these spirits. And a part of the deception is they just keep going back to, to find the right, the right spell or incantation or whatever the case may be to, to try to fix whatever's going on in their lives. And then that just kind of further entrenches them uh, in, you know, all the terrible things that are happening to them because of being involved in witchcraft.
1: Well, exactly. And it doesn't matter what level of witchcraft you're entertaining. It could be something as simple as you're at the state fair with your significant other. Right. And then for kicks and giggles, there's a gypsy psychic there, right? So you're like, well, this ought to be fun. But what you don't know is by going to see that psychic, you are entering into a contract, not just with the psychic, but with the demons that that psychic communes with. So you go in there and You're thinking this is all for kicks and giggles and this is just going to be fun. But the sidekick then tells you, oh, well, in two months, this is going to happen and you're going to be diagnosed with cancer, right? By you even acquiescing to that contract, you have allowed that demon to place that curse on you. And you have accepted it. By doing nothing more than being golden.
0: Hmm. You know, that raises an interesting question. Are there things that your average like believer and so me, are there things that I, that I could be doing just in everyday life that I don't realize are agreements that I'm making just out of, out of ignorance um
1: it happens all the time what people have to understand is there's a reason why god had his law written down right now some of the laws are more for ceremonial type purposes and you know certain adherence within the actual kingdom of israel things of that nature but a lot of the laws that were put into place uh were to help us avoid being opened up to certain things. Uh, Let's take food, for example, right? In the Old Testament, it gives us a list of clean and unclean foods, right? Pork, prime example. It says, do not eat pork, do not consume it. It's an unclean animal, right? Well, let's take it from there to what we know now, based on science and everything else. You know, pork being in your diet and stuff like that is unhealthy. It can affect your heart as well as other parts of the body. It's a very toxic type of meat and puts toxins and stuff in your bloodstream and strains your liver and things of that nature. So let's say Pastor Bob, right? He was praying one night and he's slightly overweight. Okay. And he's praying to God to help him deal with that and overcome it and everything else, right? And God takes him to Leviticus and goes into the clean and unclean foods and stuff like that and says, adhere to this, right? Pastor Bob doesn't want to get rid of pork. He likes his bacon. He likes his barbecue. So he continues doing it, even though God has directly led him to that, telling him, hey, shy away from this. Well, by him refusing to accept that and partaking in it anyways, uh, one, he is in rebellion towards God because the Holy Spirit directed him to, hey, don't do that, right? But two, he is also imbibing in an unclean meat, which opens him up to demonic influence of, say, a spirit of pestilence, a spirit of disease, And two months later, Pastor Bob has a heart attack. He caused that. One, by not Mm. adhering to what God told him. And two, by allowing himself to be open to an attack from a demonic entity that he was not prepared to handle, nor had any understanding about what he was doing. So he could claim ignorance But if God told him not to do it, then how can he still make that claim? And you see that a lot happening with different Christians, you know? Uh, It's just like I try to make it a very uh, intentional task for me to keep my house cleansed, right? Uh, I don't own movies or books or anything that glorify witchcraft, uh, yet some Christians do you know, oh, Harry Potter is perfectly fine. Really, how much demonic activity have you had in your house or demonic influence over your children since you brought those books into your home?
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, you, you raise an interesting point. And A, first, let, let me just say, I hope the Lord— Never leads me to Leviticus and tells me to stop eating pork <laughs> because <laughs> because man I love bacon and and I I haven't tried it yet but uh Sonic has this new uh bacon and peanut butter uh cheeseburger uh, that I guess uh, people on on like TikTok and Instagram have been. Making videos of themselves uh trying out because oh. it just sounds like a weird thing to eat. I haven't tried it yet, but can oh, give
1: you a good alternative to pork bacon? Try beef bacon.
0: You know what? Actually, I have tried beef bacon and is it is fire. delicious. It is delicious. Um, and I will say, like I do I do like pork. Um, I don't I don't consume a ton of pork, but I'm I don't have a problem with it having it every once in a while. I do think that eating it like all the times probably not great because I did read this. I don't know if you would call it like a study. It's not really a study. It was a paper that uh, Doctor Kellogg, who was actually a real doctor, like back in the day. I don't. I think it was like back in the eighteen hundreds or something. Uh, he he was like a vegetarian. I don't know. think he was like vegan. I think he was vegetarian and he wrote like a very detailed paper, like about why you shouldn't eat pork and like why it's bad for you. I read that one time and I didn't eat pork for a while. Cause it just, <laughs> the, the description, I was like, Oh man, pigs are just nasty. But, um, but anyway, so, uh, yeah, where was I going with that one? I don't, I don't remember. But yeah, so um yeah, beef bacon, turkey bacon is just terrible. It just you can't you can't make it like crispy, you know, it just it just doesn't do it. But yeah, beef bacon I have had beef bacon and and it is it is delicious. But uh I'm not afraid to have uh you know, pork every every once in a while. And um you well, know, it's, I've
1: it's one of those things that the real outlier for Pastor Bob was the fact that he rejected what he was being told, right? Uh, I'm not trying to change people's diets or say, hey, stop eating that, because Lord knows there's certain foods that I like that I probably shouldn't eat. Uh, it's <laughs> like, uh, you know, I was raised the majority of my life in the South, you know, Southern Mississippi, you know, the Bayou, Louisiana, places like that. So like uh, crawfish and like gator tail, stuff like that, those remain staples of the diet that we were on down there. Uh, so it's one of those things, you know, it's kind of like that with me. Although like, uh, fortunately for me, I can't really eat pork anyways. It it messes with me. Uh, pork Mm. is one of those things like store-bought pork and stuff, uh, regular bacon. It literally triggers my gag reflex. Uh, when I even try to eat it, the only way I can eat anything that would even be considered a form of pork is if it is like wild boar. Uh, mm. something like that, that was hunted in the wild, you know, actual wild game. Uh, but like, right. if you buy in the store, I, I can't do it. I just can't my stomach and stuff yeah. would not let me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Jason, I actually have an example personally of uh, something that the Lord told me to stop doing. And that was, um, to stop caffeine. Uh, initially it was energy drinks and, uh, so I'm like, okay, Lord. I I just I love energy drinks and I love them. I was I've been I've been addicted to caffeine for so long. So it's it took me a while. Uh, but eventually I did I did kick it. And then um I again you know, I switched to sodas just to get the caffeine and then eventually he's like caffeine, stop consuming caffeine, you know. And so I'm like, all right, so I've been you know, every once in a while I have, uh, I won't drink an energy drink, but every once, like very rarely, every once in a while I'll, I'll have, you know, maybe like a soda that has caffeine in it. Um, But I won't let it become like a regular thing. And it's pretty rare actually nowadays.
1: And, and in that case and stuff like that, it's what's in control, you know? Right. Uh, because, you know, addiction as itself is a type of demonic entity, Right. Uh, And it's just like, you know, cigarettes are a prime example. However, cigarettes are actually a form of pharmakia. It's a form of sorcery because the tobacco and stuff they use has been genetically modified, genetically altered, and then they add other sorts of chemicals and toxins into it to increase the addictive rate. So by smoking cigarettes, you are subjecting yourself to pharmakia. Uh, And Mm. it's the same thing with uh, certain types of medications, opiates and uh you know painkillers and you know stuff like that so it becomes a matter of who's really in control is the demonic and the spirit of addiction what's in control or are you in control uh, so right. like, caffeine literally has no effect on me i can drink a quadruple shot of espresso and go lay down and sleep like a log. it literally has no effect on me just because the way my body chemistry is and my mind and everything else uh stuff like that actually calms me down rather than hypes me up uh so i said god i drink coffee you know once or twice a day uh but god's never taken any issue with it and it's just like i do smoke the occasional cigar uh however it's not in control of me i'm in control if i feel
0: like
1: a cigar i will But it's also one of those things, cigars and pipe tobacco, it's not like what you get in cigarettes. It hasn't been tampered with. It's not genetically modified. Uh, So it is straight from the source, regular tobacco, what tobacco was supposed to be, Mm -hmm. uh, which creates a little bit of a different genre there. But even still, there is trace amounts of nicotine in it. So it has to become one of those things, are you in control of it or is mm. it in control of you? Because if it's in control of you and you're submitting yourself to it, then that is a form of idolatry, especially if the Holy Spirit of the Lord has said, hey, you need to quit. You know?
0: Right. So, yeah. So it sounds like, you know, one one very practical aspect of uh, spiritual warfare which you know we kind of talk a, a bit about every once in a while because I think it's important um is if the lord's telling you in impressing impressing upon your heart to stop doing something um then we should we can listen to that right and that's a that I think that'd probably be a big aspect
1: of spiritual warfare because and we're not exercising only we, not only should we listen to that right but after he tells us that We should submit ourselves before him and prayer and fasting, praise and worship, right? And we should ask the Holy Spirit to help us to be cleansed of whatever it is we're dealing with, because there very well may be a spiritual component to it, which is the reason why he's saying like, hey, hey, we we need to stop this now before you open yourself up to something and it takes on a full control, you know? Mm. Um, Yeah we want to make sure that we're cleansed, not just on a physical or mental basis, but on a spiritual, you know, uh, we want to make sure that whatever the reason is he's telling us to stop, I mean, he might be telling us because if we don't, we might have some health complications later, but which also leads us to the question of, okay, is there a spiritual component to it? Uh, So we need to submit ourselves before him and ask the Holy Spirit to come in and cleanse us of what he's asking us to get rid of because he can do it. He did it with me with cigarettes when I was 21, you know, uh, after I got saved and everything, I woke up one morning and I heard God as clear as day. He said, Jason, I'm like, yes. He said, you're going to quit smoking. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of laughed about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's going to happen. Two weeks later, I wasn't smoking. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow that was my first it's... bout with the lord where i'm like you know what if he said something just roll with it because it's going to happen whether
0: you yeah it, <laughs> man it it took me it took me way longer than two weeks to be obedient about uh the energy drinks and the caffeine but uh i'm i'm you know i'm I'm a bit stubborn but uh okay Go so let's list, listen to the lord um what are what are some resources that you would recommend uh maybe some a book or two you think are are good that people should check out on like spiritual warfare things that they can um apply to their their walk with the Lord and their their daily life so to speak
1: well uh one of the there's two books that Derek Prince wrote that I recommend to everyone uh one as and they shall expel demons amazing book I mean. On point, 100% scripturally sound, the entire thing. Uh, and the other one was on breaking curses. Uh, those are two very important books in the aspect of spiritual warfare. Uh, and I own them both. Uh, but the wonderful thing about Derek Prince was he never made any of his books something that was exclusive. Where you had to buy them to learn what he was talking about as a matter of fact you can pull up on youtube right now uh derek prince on deliverance and you'll find one it's about a hour and a half maybe two hour long sermon but in that sermon he preaches and teaches everything that is in the book uh and they shall expel demons you know so it's perfectly available to anybody for free You can go and get that, which is the way it should be done in ministry. You know, it's just like the books I'm working on. You know, yes, I'm writing the books and I'm doing it for a very specific purpose. But if you listen to my interviews and stuff that I talk about and everything, you'll find out I'm not hoarding that information. That's not what I do. You know, I am writing the books, yes, and when it's published, they will be for sale for people that want to buy them. But the ultimate goal for me doing it that way is not for personal gain. It's to raise money for the ministry for us to continue the work we do. And it is to help people that are suffering from severe trauma, PTSD, satanic ritual abuse, and even dissociative identity disorder, as well as your average Christian because I want the body to learn how to be to stop being the victim and become the warrior that they're supposed to be.
0: Wow, that's awesome. And And Jason, I think we're gonna we're gonna end on that, brother. Um, so if you are interested in supporting the work that Jason and Janice are doing to actively help uh, get individuals um, out of human trafficking, uh, you can go to archangelministries91.com. There's a couple of different giving options. You can do a one-time gift or you can, you know, become a monthly, uh, ministry partner. And, uh, I know just from talking with Jason and Janice, you know, even, even if you just became a $10 a month partner, um, every little bit helps and, and counts towards, uh, you know, the work that they're doing to help, um, rescue, uh, people that are, are in some really bad situations.
1: Yes, we are. And, uh, I'm working on the dates and the location right now, but, uh, I have received it from the Lord and we are a go. I've already started talking to the people that I want to be there to speak. We will be doing a conference, uh, right now. I am looking at probably, uh, late spring, early summer. So, uh, possibly towards the end of April, most likely towards the middle of May is when it's going to actually take place. But I've gotten real clear instructions on what the conference is supposed to be. Because uh, originally it was just going to be a training seminar uh, between our group and the guys over at Shatter Ops for all of the volunteers that have wanted to come in and work with the ministries. Uh, but the Lord has had me working on reshaping it and turn it into a conference slash training seminar. Uh, And the reason for that being is, Chris, just as you and Mike and Tori and Dr. Judd and everybody else knows, the enemy operates on all fronts. It's a unified effort, right? So the way we're setting up the conference is there is going to be a vast array of specialists in different fields. Uh, we're going to have people that specialize in cryptids and the alien deception and supernatural stuff like portal covens and things like that. Uh, but we're also going to have people up there that specialize in the pro-life movements uh, as well as uh, traditional human trafficking, non-traditional human trafficking, satanic ritual abuse, spiritual warfare. We are covering the entire gambit of, uh, in a two to four day period and it's most likely going to end up being about a four day long conference uh the first couple of days are going to be for the speakers and everybody else to you know get up there teach instruct and everything else and then the following couple of days are going to be for the volunteers for the ministry because we're going to cover everything for training everything from outreach to counseling, uh, to extractions and rescue operations, as well as our security teams are gonna be trained there as well. Uh, So it's a decently large task, but it's one that needs to be done because the church has been separated for far too long because of different theologies and ego and pride. And it's high time everybody sets that stuff aside and comes together so the body of Christ can present a unified front to the enemy.
0: Yeah, man. Now, that sounds awesome. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping I'll, you know, once you release dates and everything, hopefully I'll, I'll be able to to make it to that. Is it going to be in uh, Memphis area, you think, or uh, Nashville I'm area? I'm not
1: 100 sure right now. Uh, just like if any of the listeners to this uh, have any ideas on locations that would work, then that would be great because what we're needing is we need a location that is going to have a good area for our speakers to actually speak at uh, where we can live stream the event uh, because we, we're not just limiting it to the people that can buy the tickets and be there physically. Uh, we're also wanting to set it up where you can purchase tickets for a live stream so you can watch them and uh, you'll be able to go back and access the recordings too if you miss something uh but it also needs to be a facility that has access to a decent amount of land or property uh where the local law enforcement isn't going to mind for us to set up you know some targets and some training stuff for the security teams uh because i am going to be doing hand-to-hand combat training with uh, our security teams i'm going to train them on how to do investigations extractions as well as some basic firearms fundamentals, because I'm not going to send any of my people out there unprotected.
0: Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll definitely um, be uh, helping to promote it. Once you get more, more details on that, that sounds like it's going to be super interesting. And so we'll, we'll definitely be there if we can brother.
1: Well, I would love to have you guys come out and like, if uh, you and the gang would like to come out and actually you know do a speaking presentation or something or even just hang out and you know have a merch booth and stuff like that dude i'd love to have y'all there
0: yeah absolutely man yeah we'll we'll see once uh, once you get some more details look it's forward like to it brother plan. awesome all right jason pillow um archangel ministries 91.com if you want to look into what they're doing and you can reach them uh, through their website as they well oh. band, all right brother appreciate you ABA, appreciate
1: you brother god took advantage of the planet
0: he made forming a holy alliance of evil and look at the daughters of him Bane. vain then the flood rain him to restore his creational or order to how he arranged but the disembodied spirits of the giants still want to war still want to kill in the court is see the blood of the innocent spill on the floor that's a demoniac and the kind of issue with combining him will restore his image bearers in his second chance when he coming back because he bringing a sword This ain't a planned sermon, it's a welcome to Camp Herman, yeah, welcome to Camp Herman. This ain't a planned sermon, it's a welcome to Camp Herman, yeah, welcome to Camp
1: Herman.